Welcome to Fresh Growth. We've completed season one and are starting interviews for season two. Thanks for listening to our first season. In between, we are sharing some special podcasts. These podcasts were created as a senior project in Montana State University's Sustainable Food and Bioenergy Systems class. The students interviewed producers on topics such as farm diversity, food sovereignty, and soil health, among others. We hope you enjoy and learn from their work. Welcome to today's podcast about diversifying production and marketing on a small-scale vegetable farm. This podcast is brought to you by the Montana State University Sustainable Food and Bioenergy Systems Program and by the Western Sustainable Agricultural Research and Education Program. I'm your host, Nathaniel Bowen. We sat down today with Matt Rosscheller, co-owner and operator of Gallatin Valley Botanical at Rocky Creek Farm. Hey, Matt. Pleasure to see you this morning. Thanks for taking some time to sit down with us and Talk about your operation. Um, I just wanted to start out by asking, um, what led you guys to get into farming and uh, organic agriculture? Was there any specific life event, or did you grow up in it? I grew up here in the Gallatin Valley, and JC grew up in Kalispell, Montana, and we met after college in Bozeman. And it was we were dating, and it was a small community, and we wanted to get out of Dodge, so we, we did. We went and lived in wine country for a year, which was awesome. And I worked in some great farm-to-table restaurants so we could afford to live there and uh, JC actually worked for a small-scale farm in Calistoga, uh, Forney Brown and Welch and they were kind of the high-end vegetable farm that was sending their salad greens and microgreens and fantastic tomatoes to the French Laundry and you know Martini House and all the different little great places to eat in in the Napa Valley and we wanted to see that from a first-hand experience and so we didn't spend long there but we wanted to see how it was done a little bit and after we saw some of the um and jc worked with some of the different production methods there we we thought well we can do this so to continue that thought we wanted to do something meaningful uh in making our community and our our lives more sustainable and to be able to live that on a personal level and then expand that slowly over time and make it uh, more of a professional thing was um, i guess our progression in that so we came to bozeman knowing that it would be a good place for us to start um a small-scale farm. There weren't a a lot of other farmers here doing it. Uh, The farm-to-table movement really hadn't been embraced yet by local restaurants, and so we were on the ground floor of that, and we helped shape that quite a lot. Uh, And so we're we're still doing that. So we came back to Bozeman and um, put an ad in the paper for, uh, you know, looking for two acres to start a small farm on. And that was answered by a, a, a woman that we ended up farming on her property for uh, for about five years and so in 2008 we ended up buying property from Pete Fay at Rocky Creek Farm um, and and continued to farm on a fairly small scale for our you know about our first 10 years of farming we are still at about five acres of vegetables which is a lot but not compared to what we're doing now that much and um, yeah so since then we we scaled up so when you're five acres I'm imagining was it still just the two of you that scale, it was, you know, my wife and I full-time at that point and um, one, maybe two other part-time people. And once we, once you get above two acres, really, you're going to need a lot more help. And so at five acres, we were selling to maybe 10 restaurants. Uh, we had about 100, 120 person summer CSA. 
and we uh, sold at two summer farmers markets and that was our marketing um, you know at the end of our fifth year in business um, our sixth year in business that's when we bought land and we decided that um, if we were going to be landowners we wanted to try and make a living off of it year on a year-round basis so uh, we ended up starting the Bozeman Winter Market, so we had a, a winter farmer's market to sell at. Um, us and some other farmers started that. And um, and we also started a, a winter CSA that year. And so that was the start of um, doing a little bit more than just summer vegetable production. And what what does you guys' winter CSA look like? Uh, we have a couple different options for that. Uh, we, we do have a farm stand on the farm right now that's open during CSA pickup. And so you can pick up meats and purchase additional farm produced items as, you know, as folks want. Um, but our winter CSA is about a hundred people and it's just vegetables. And that runs from the first of November, more or less to early February. And we have, a. a another CSA option that does include everything we produce and that is our what we call our whole farm CSA and the whole farm CSA gives vegetables year-round 52 weeks out of the year uh, either coming from greenhouses or out of storage or out of the field in season and it also includes the various other enterprises that we're running on the farm and you know we have a we raise probably 15 hogs a year Um, we bring in wiener pigs and raise them up send them off to Amsterdam meats and I just took four in yesterday, getting cutting instructions from our CSA members right now. Uh, we have a small flock of sheep. And so let's see, the winter whole farm CSA is the vegetables year round. Um, it's cut flowers for about half the year. Uh, it's half of a hog. It's a full lamb. Um, a couple pounds of honey. We have some hives on the property. Um, what else? It, there's some pumpkins included, either a wreath or a Christmas tree. Uh, cider. We make cider in our farm here. Um, so, you know, every little thing that we do is, is offered to those CSA members. It's not real big, but it's still a fair amount of our um, income because it costs a lot. It's 3500 bucks per person. So, uh, And they also, uh, another thing that we like about that is that folks for the Whole Farm CSA subscribe um, and pay in front in full on February 1st. So that's um, that fills a pretty big hole. Uh, for our winter cash flow. So it's a, that was really critical in us being able to expand to where we're at today. Starting kind of the winter CSA, winter farmer's market, and the whole farm CSA, how did you know that those niches would be picked up by the community? How did you kind of gauge that the community wanted those things? Um, a lot of the the moves we've made have been fairly slow and incremental, you know, I guess with the exception of buying the 50 acre farm next door, but we were ready for it when that happened. Uh, that was 2017. Um, you know, but, but, you know, say adding in our winter CSA, we started that in 2008, I believe, and it was 10 people. So it wasn't a, a huge risk for us. Um, we had already been holding on to produce in the wintertime and selling it to chefs. And so it wasn't a big change in our vegetable production to just hold that aside and keep it for our winter CSA members. Um, That slowly increased, you know, it's been bounced around from 100 to 120 members over the last four four years, let's say. And that's at a pretty good spot for us for our production. Um, uh, The winter market, we started that with some other folks because we were tired of standing outside on the street corner and selling produce and watching it freeze because it was cold. 
and having to keep the car idling. So that was a pretty that was a communal effort that we made with some other folks um, and ended up over time taking over the market ourselves. So um, and then with the whole farm CSA, you know, uh, let's see, this is our we're we're finishing up our second year of the whole farm CSA right now, and we had you know we had talked about doing something like that for a couple of years in p- business planning for buying the the larger farm next to us and we needed a um we needed a home for all of the different enterprises that we had started on a pretty small scale and then when you're selling um animal products what would you say is more profitable for you or like what are the profit margins and kind of like a rough sense between vegetable production and animal production. I guess we don't exactly have that figured out like we do the vegetables. The meat production is something that, um, you know, we, we have tabs on it, but there's a lot of labor that goes into meat production that's not necessarily uh, tallied up on a payroll. Um, it's me. Uh, in the summertime, it's one employee uh, or it's our kids helping out. Um, but the meat production is a pretty small amount of our year-round gross, um, but it really does help uh, to sell our whole farm CSA as a package, as a, as you're supporting our farm and having it a diverse small farm exist on the edge of Bozeman, Montana, and that's kind of the calling card for that. Um, so that said, I kind of put a dollar amount on the, what I want to get out of the pigs uh, and what I want to get out of the lambs, and it's above market rate. It's not a wholesale rate at all. Um, it's it's more than what a wholesale um, production might be or rate might be for a restaurant buying a lamb from us, for instance. It's it's more than that. Um, I put a premium on it. Um, the same with our. Uh, I guess I didn't mention that we have a um, a broiler chicken chicken operation on the farm, and we have a mobile processing unit that we do all of our own processing and everything with that. And for our chickens, um, you know, I can't tell you exactly what going rate for an organic chicken commercially is right now, but it's probably like two bucks a pound, maybe three bucks a pound. Um, but ours are six dollars a pound, so um, we're making sure we're making money on all of the various meat products. And um, yeah, so. Uh, but but that said, um, I would guess that our our vegetable production is probably eighty percent of our gross on the farm. Um, and that includes Whole Farm, too, uh, and the meat and other enterprises such as the Pumpkin Patch and You Pick Apples and the Cider Mill are probably within that 20% of the gross on, on the farm. Does diversifying the farm in multiple ways, like the Pumpkin Patch and adding animals to your farm, add value as a whole to the farm? I guess another benefit... Um, and, and, and I guess the philosophy of our farming is that we think that incorporating animal production into um, our vegetable production helps to mimic natural systems to a certain degree. Um, you know, we're definitely constrained by food safety concerns as far as integrating our animals onto our vegetable fields. But right now I've got, a, um, you know, 24 lambs, 12 ewes, and 3 rams out on, um, you know, probably 10 acres of vegetable fields. And right now they're eating kale and chard and all kinds of spent greens um, that, you know, that we're, it's, it's freezing out there that we're not going to be able to use anymore. And they're depositing their manure out there. Um, they're also eating a lot of winter annual weeds that have germinated and are growing. And so they do end up benefiting us for weed control. Um, 
and they are um, they're they're mashing in the seeds that ended up you know the weeds that weed seeds that ended up go, going to seed and they're out there they're going to germinate early in the spring and hopefully we'll be able to uh, cultivate those out so um, they're you know they're they're kind of mimicking natural systems out there a little bit to a certain extent uh, the other benefit of having animals on our farm is that Rocky Creek Farm is the farm we bought in 2017. And um, it had a U-pick operation, a cider mill, uh, a pumpkin patch, and it's kind of been known as Bozeman's community farm for you know the last 30 years, and that's something we wanted to continue. And having animals on our farm is a great way to engage our community's youth and our community in general, but our youth in particular about um, about small-scale farming and into agriculture. It's really interesting for them. Um, it's it's a natural. Uh, highlight of anybody's day out on the farm and so we do see a lot of kids on our farm to you know to come have a good time but really to we're trying to show them a little bit about how their food is produced and where their food comes from um, we also have a farm camp in the summer and those kids at the farm camp are um, they are they are hands-on with uh, with our chickens and moving sheep uh, and feeding the pigs you know scratching a pig behind the ears always one of the kids favorite things to do so the animal production does have some intangible values that uh that that we have on the farm so that might not necessarily have a um, you know a dollar sign on it but it 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 does what is the marketing strategy that you guys have developed over the years and what have you found works really well let's see um having a robust website is awesome we put a lot of effort into it last winter uh to you know, to upgrade our website and make it a little bit um, more user-friendly and make it mobile-friendly and all that. Uh, so for our community, for CSA members, for workshops, and for getting folks onto the farm, having a robust website is really great. Um, and I mentioned earlier about how we were kind of on the ground floor of the farm-to-table movement in Bozeman. Um, that's been a huge asset for us. We are at the top of any search list for CSA or for vegetables in Bozeman or for a small-scale farm in Bozeman or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so we have a competitive advantage with that right now already. So that's kind of built in. So I might not be the best um, you know, advice giver of where to start with because um, we were, you know, it's kind of serendipitous that we are where we are. Um, but we put a lot of hard work into it. And so Keeping in good touch, you know, my, I guess my focus in marketing is with our commercial accounts, with chefs, with uh, restaurants and the co-op and um, any small stores that we sell to. That's been my focus. And JC's marketing focus is on CSA. Um, and I'll help her out with that a little bit. But so we kind of do split up uh, our marketing that way some somewhat. Um with CSA, we still do some of the old-fashioned, just print up postcards and send them out, mail them out. We do trifold flyers, and we put them at various places where our target audience might be. Um, so we're we're putting flyers at yoga studios, at the library, at the food co-op, at, at places where you know uh, health-conscious folks might congregate. Um, so that's been pretty effective, actually. Um, and I, I guess from my point of view, since I'm dealing with the chefs, uh, I need to stay in good contact with them about what we've got, what's available, and to make sure that I'm estimating what we have accurately. So I'm not telling people, no, we don't have this after they've ordered it or after they expect it. So um, fulfilling expectations and growing great produce is really going to be your best marketing tool that you can have. It, it beats everything else that you can do. So if you've got great produce, people come knocking on your door for it. 
for other operations just starting up, what kind of advice would you like to give or what kind of advice could you give to people trying to diversify their markets, um, get involved with the community, and become more successful? In your, in your operation if you're going to diversify into that. But, uh, you know, starting out having a, a, an egg-laying flock is an easy first step for folks to make. Um, I would also suggest skipping the breeding stock until you've done some wiener pigs and some, you know, and some bottle lambs and done that for a while before you jump right into having some breeding stock of whatever you might be doing. So, so I'm sure as you've bought more land and kind of have grown your operation, you've learned quite a bit about things that you'd like to do. Um, moving forward, you guys just bought this huge property. You're just starting this agro touristry kind of business out there what would you guys like to see happen in the next five years we're talking a lot with our lenders about that right now um the i guess the medium term you know the near-term future of rocky gallatin valley botanical at rocky creek farm is to continue what we're doing and to you know we bought a fixer upper farm it needs a ton of work and so over the next five years or so we we have a lot of farm improvements to make uh and with that, we're hoping to engage with the public a little bit more, or in, in some cases, even a lot more. With um, We're hoping to do weekly barbecues or wood-fired pizza out on the farm, um, maybe on weekends. Um, we had talked about doing more events and weddings and things like that, but it's it's kind of a noisy farm. There's a lot happening all around it all the time, and it's not this peaceful little idyllic place. Although it is beautiful, it really is, and it's so close to town. Um, we're, we're, we're thinking that, you know, more social functions out on the farm are, are a good thing um, rather than, you know, fancy weddings or something like that that might have help us make the bottom line and the mortgage. Um, so we're thinking more farm dinners, which we do already. We probably had six farm dinners on the farm last year. Uh, we'd like to have, you know, more or less high-end farm dinners on the farm, probably two a month for six months out of the year going forward. Uh, like I said, we we wanted we were talking about building a commercial kitchen out there so we can have more events, um, but uh, the events need to be tailored to. Um, to what's appropriate on the farm. Uh, if that happens and we're able to bring in better cash flow uh, and, help, and help us make the bills with that, uh, then I would see our vegetable production actually go down a little bit, um, at least our acreage. Um, I don't think our production would go down, but over time I'd like to take our, our production from about 20 acres um, to probably 12 might, might be a more appropriate or even 15 but we would like to do more long-term um, pasturing for our animals. And right now, vegetables are taking up a lot of that land. So I guess um, in a nutshell, I would see a little bit more social interaction on the farm because um, our community needs that. Um, our, our kids need to see more of uh, how food is produced and get their hands dirty. Um, and, and even the adults out there, we have workshops already. Um, we have some flower workshops. Um, various different gardening workshops that we do on occasion. Um, we'd like to increase that over time. We would like our uh, our farm stand to be a year-round farm stand at some point, and right now it's more, uh, you know, seven or eight month out of the year farm stand just because it's cold and the, the barn we have is built in the 20s and it's got insulation from the 20s, which is none. Um, so, we've you know, with the improvements that we can make over time, um, we'll be able to expand our um, interactions with the community.
Thank you again for inviting us out to the farm and sitting down with us. This podcast was a product of Montana State University's Sustainable Food and Bioenergy Systems Program and by Western SARE, a program supported by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. I'd like to say thank you to Emma Burke, Natalie Riffle, and Cameron Skinner for making this podcast possible. Thank you most importantly to our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast.